This is the checkup. Take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Ricky Flix is on the horn alongside myself, Dr. O. Uh, we have the checkup for episode 67, which is going to be a departure from the actual episode. This is dropping the Wednesday after our usual Tuesday drop. Uh, our pod was almost too jacked up from this week with Steven Spielberg, top billing draft, right? His best movies, West Side Story. We had too much to talk about. We gave you the news headlines, but we thought it would be best if we had a double release, a dual release this week, uh, because there's also some great trailers that popped up this week, along with season nine, uh, excuse me, episode nine of season three for succession. We got to talk about what went down because holy cannoli, it was sick. But Ricky Flux, great to be joining you on the second episode of the week. How are you, my friend? Doing great. Doing great. West Side Story was phenomenal. Hopefully you listen to that pod because, wow, my favorite, the best movie of the year so far. The best movie of the year. So please listen to that episode if you haven't yet. Yeah. And I think it, that's going to be reflective in our review. Make sure you're tuned in for episode 67, uh, West Side Story. Like, don't people don't don't dismiss it before you try and watch it. Right. There's plenty of people saying you shouldn't remake a classic. This might change your mind. Right. And, Especially when you when you've got like Steven Spielberg at the helm. And I'll say this as a non-musical guy, I'm not anti-musical. But as a non-musical guy, I am saying that this is the best movie of the year so far. That should say a lot. That shows you how good it is. Exactly. If Ricky Flicks is giving a tip of the hat, a guy who historically is not a non-musical guy, that's how you know it's a must-watch. Must. Um, All right. With that being said, uh, we're going to read you the checkup again. For those who missed it on the first uh, podcast that we released this week. We're going to now repeat it here so you know what we're talking about. Ready for the checkup? Hit us up. Let's check the audiences up. West Side Story has earned $14.9 million in the film's worldwide box office opening weekend. The film is underperforming financially despite its four Golden Globe nominations. Next up on the checkup, Tom Holland says he pitched an idea for Spider-Man 4 to Sony. Uh, and he said, quote, but by telling you that idea, I'd be ruining this movie, end quote. Let's see how things pan out this week. Holland's interviews have been must listen. Speaking of Holland, he also mentioned that Amy Pascal approached him about a role in Across the Spider-Verse while he was on set for No Way Home. He also said no one has come back to him about the idea since. Sure, Tom, we believe you. We got our first look at John Boyega in 892, a biopic about Brian Brown easily. The film will premiere at Sundance in 2022. Next up, some massive casting news. Florence Pugh, Rami Malek, and Benny Safdie have been cast alongside Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, and Killian Murphy in Christopher Nolan's next film, Oppenheimer, on the creation of the atomic bomb. Next, uh, Kingsman will begin filming in September and will wrap up Eggsy's story, played by Taron Egerton. The Kingsman, the prequel to the spy franchise will release on christmas day next disney has removed deep water the erotic psychological thriller starring ben affleck and anna de armas from its release schedule sounds about right it will be released on hulu domestically and on amazon prime video internationally at least we get to see it next up amanda stenberg is in talks to star in the lead role for the acolyte and to wrap up the checkup this week 
Fandy Newton is a talk to star in Magic Mike's Last Dance from Steven Soderbergh, starring Channing Tatum. Wow, let's see what she does after Westworld. Okay, Ricky Flex, which headline from this week's checkup grabs your attention most? Dr. O, I'm going to go off the radar. John Boyega. What? Playing this dude. He looks like Denzel. He looks he like does, a Denzel. He does with a shaved head. It is crazy. And the glasses, it is, it is incredible. It's incredible. And also, uh, I don't think, I don't know if this was in the checkup. I'm, I was kind of zoning out during the reading, but uh, Michael K. Williams, this might be, I think this is his last role. Is in it, this movie. I, I, I barely know about this story. Oh, like, I'm, Dr. Actually, Rowe, this is an insane story. So this guy, um, uh, we call it Brian Brown Easley. Yeah, like a biopic about him, a former veteran Marine. Mm-hmm. And he's on he has a daughter and he's getting like welfare checks from the government or like his military checks or whatever. But they just stopped coming in. I don't know why. I don't know if there's a purpose or something. But uh, was, he's basically like, all right, I need money. It's either I go homeless with my daughter or I have to get money somehow. So he decides, all right, I'm going to walk into a bank and Fucking, say I have a oh, bomb. Excuse me. This is like cherry. Yeah, no, it's like Cherry, but Sundance is going to be showing this. Yeah. Like, it's going to be, I'm not going to say it's going to be good, but it has more potential, I think, than a Cherry did. I thought Cherry had a lot of potential. I just don't think it was executed properly. But I think that guy that gives me a Cherry vibe. This is a former veteran, needs money, goes to rob a bank. Like, mm-hmm. this is. Like, this is an indie oh, film, too, I think. Like? So it's, it's going to be, like, really core. Where Cherry, like, you could tell he put some money into, like, the training and, like, the actual army training and things like that. There was a lot of money thrown into that movie. I'm not sure what the budget was, but this one's an indie. So it's going to be interesting. And, like, uh, we just made the comparison to Cherry. Um, do you know that Tom Holland was up for the same part that John Boyega got for uh, Force Awakens and the sequel trilogy? <laughs> wow. That's kind so I, so I, I've been listening to these Tom Holland interviews because he's everywhere right now and he's not shy about doing these interviews. He was on Sean Evans' Hot Ones. You ever seen that? Yeah, that yeah, that's series? good. That's really so good. He, so that's like with the Paul Rudd, like, look at us, you know, like that one. Uh, yeah, who, who would have thought? So, uh, so he did the that interview and he said that he gave a story about how he auditioned for Star Wars. Tom Holland is and he was a doing for going for John Boyega's part. He doesn't get it, obviously. But when you're reading for a Star Wars part, there's someone reading lines back as a droid just going beep, boop, beep, boop. And it just how Tom Holland said he couldn't keep it together. It was just the most ridiculous thing that he's ever done in his life. And I don't know how any, how any of those auditions like can be taken seriously when you have like a 45 year old man going. It's just like impossible. Beep, boop, boop, is Andrew Garfield and Toby <laughs> McGuire and No Way Home. Beep, boop, boop, boop. Beep, boop, boop, boop. But yeah, so I, I I guess that's a cool story though. The eight nine two with John Boyega. That's something I'm definitely interested in. Now that you've talked about it, what year did that happen? That story. No idea, to be honest. The recent. I don't know. I I honestly don't know. The picture of the person didn't look too old, but didn't look recent recent so i'm not sure wow it's i'm, I'm looking at it right now Dis- missing disability payment walked into a bank took several people hostage this is how he got there this article is published in 2018 so okay so brian no it's happened in 2017 bro this is really recent yeah wow well any bank heist movie let alone hostage like i'm always in for it. and let alone a true story like holy crap i gotta see that he had an honorable discharge in 05 
Oh, honorably. Yeah, disability. So, yeah. Honorable. Yeah. Man, this is fascinating. Yeah, John Boyega, we haven't seen him do much, I would say, mm. recently. What's the, what's the last thing we saw him do other than Rise of Skywalker? What did he do afterward? He was in a show, wasn't he? Yeah, and he, he was uh, in a show. Um, he did a limited series of some sort? Yeah, he was in a show, but before that, Star Wars. He did Detroit a while back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so like, I guess that was an interesting way to start. I did not see that coming. Uh, I want uh, let's talk about Oppenheimer, dude. This is the best cast, maybe like since Don't Look Up. Like, this yeah. is insane what I'm looking at. You already had the the Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, Killian Murphy. You think that would be enough, but no, let's add Academy Award nominee Florence Pugh. Let's add Academy Award winner Rami Malik. Let's add one of the best directors and most exciting young actors in the game and Benny Safdie and throw them in the cast as well. Which one of those three are you most excited to see in this upcoming film, Ricky Flex? Florence Pugh is on such a heater that I'm just looking forward to seeing her in whatever she does, let alone we just saw her in Hawkeye, spoiler alert, whatever. Um, I think she's one of the best young actresses in Hollywood right now. So seeing her with part of this cast makes me, especially next to Emily Blunt, another uh, one of the, the one of the biggest actresses in Hollywood. Like this is just huge cast, huge cast. Like you said, probably the biggest cast since Don't Look Up, and with Christopher Nolan at the helm. So it's coming out in July or a summer movie. So I don't know about the Oscars, but. This is all the makings of an Oscar type movie. Like we talked about it before with the actual like story of the making of an atomic bomb. It has the Christopher Nolan element. It's going to be like a blockbuster type, maybe perhaps. I'm not sure, but this cast says it is. Let's do a game here, Ricky Flex. I'm going to say scientist or not. And I'm going to okay. go through the cast here. And you're going to say scientist or not. I'm going to say whether I agree or disagree. So let's start off with the obvious. Let's go Killian Murphy. Scientist. Scientist. Agreed. Let's go on to Florence Pugh. Not a scientist. Not a scientist. Love interest potentially yes. of well, Killian? not necessarily Killian Murphy. You could, that could be Emily Blunt, but we'll see. But Robbie Malik. Scientist. Scientist. No yeah, time absolutely. To die. Right? <laughs> you just automatically think of scientist. That's why you got the part, right? Because he was right. just great with like robots. Yeah. Uh so we're thinking Florence Pugh, no. Rami Malek, yes. Kelly Murphy, yes. Benny Safdie. Yes. I'm going no. Wow. I'm going no. But he kind of has President. that like, curly hair, like craziness to him. You'd think he could be like a mad scientist of sorts. But scientists back then, they're really like, they got some buzz on the head. It almost seems like they are mm. They're really like they're mm. family men. Like, I just don't see that out of Benny Safdie. I'm going to go not. Maybe a guy who's, who's funding many of these projects outside of the government somehow, right? Maybe he is Interesting. A, a part of some of these corporations that are helping out with the uh, development of the atom bomb. Let's go to Robert Downey Jr. Scientist. Scientist. Comic right? relief. Glasses. Glasses. Yep. Robert Zodiac. Downey Jr. Absolutely scientist. Um, Matt Damon. Not a scientist. We're fooling out. So Matt Damon is, I'm thinking like almost leaning towards that Benny Safdie. I'm going to, I'm going to go and um, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say scientist and let's finally go Emily Blunt. Scientist. It's going to be I'm, the one woman. Uh, the scientist that Kelly Murphy falls in love with. Boom. That's who it is. That's who, okay? that's what it is. Ricky writing these down. Uh, but yeah, we have to, I can't believe we have to wait till 2023 for that movie. That's um, I'm not, I'm not patient enough for that. And uh, especially after Tenet, it's kind of like, I want to see Nolan just get back on the high horse immediately. And it seems like with the yeah. casting coming together at this rate, 
he's kind of thinking the same thing. Let's just move on to the next one. The other one's probably like his biggest failure. Obviously, it's not necessarily his fault. It partly is his fault because the movie just wasn't as appealing to audiences. Um, and just because it wasn't very comprehensible. And we know that he's not exactly uh, the best when it comes to communicating with his audiences. He knows that they'll watch his movies, but will they understand and be receptive of them? That's a whole different thing. Um, yeah, but I'm pumped for that. Very pumped. Kings, Kingsman. We got to talk about Kingsman 3. Uh, the King's Man, right? The prequel <laughs> to the King's Men uh, trilogy or the franchise that is arriving uh, in a few weeks, uh, Christmas Day, a movie that is much uh, delayed and one that has been getting very <laughs> like mixed reviews, uh, very much mixed reviews. But I feel like the Kingsman, the King's Man has, that's so annoying to like differentiate. So annoying. King's Man, like this is like coming to America. Like it's, it's like this, <laughs> it's such BS. Like just stop that. Just give it a different title. Or but it's I not, it's like, like uh, with Joker. It's not the Joker. It's Joker. Yeah, like that just, was it's, annoying. It's tedious. It's tedious for right. people just trying to talk about the movie. You want to get people to not talk about your movie? Name it the King's Man in the King's Men franchise. That's exactly how you do it. Yeah, right. Textbook. Don't get people to talk about your movie. Um, but like, I think the King's Man this whole like franchise has lost steam. I think the first so one, much it, steam. I think it peaked. The first one peaked. People were excited for the second one. The second one kind of fizzled. Uh, this King's Man has been much. Uh, delayed as I said before it's not getting it's getting very much mixed reviews at this point I would say more negative than positive um so I mean how excited are you for like a Taron Taron Edgerton's third turn as Eggsy and his final turn not excited at all to be honest I don't think the second one lived up to the hype uh didn't even live up to close to expectations tough to come off the first one like any origin movie but I think just because it's just since that that one like Channing Tatum and that whole American Secret Service that just didn't work. What are they gonna do for this one? They're gonna go back to their roots. Is Channing Tatum gonna be in this one in England? You saw that teaser at the end of the second one. I don't know. Whatever they do, I don't have faith in it anymore. Like I don't have faith in the King's Man, and I'm not necessarily looking forward to seeing that movie where we'll have on the same day Matrix Resurrection Resurrections coming out which I am much more excited to see than the King's man, which has lost its steam. As you mentioned. Um, I, I, I think it has lost its steam. It just had so much hope after the first, so movie. much hope there was like, obviously you talk about the action sequences, a young, exciting actor and Taron Egerton who obviously had a passion for this role. Um, it seems like like an English Mission Impossible type. It almost seems like Exy, like he's gotten too big for the Exy role. Like he's gotten like obviously he's won a Golden Globe for playing Elton John in a biopic. He's doing this like Cold War Tetris movie that's coming out. I don't know how big that's gonna be, but it's been forever since he played Exy in a movie. It's too like long. it's been for too him long. to come back and like was it what when was that movie 2017 i want to say the sequel i want to say oh the sequel 15, i think the 15 was the first one 17 was the second one we're talking four years they're still going to work on developing so maybe this isn't coming until 2023 we're talking six years from when like he's playing he's, a well, young, he's well past it yeah he's playing like a young spy it's just like i don't know if audiences here. have a passion for this or even he would still have the passion for this and like what lies in his career what lies ahead i honestly could see him honestly being cast in oppenheimer i could see that happening that'd, that'd be, be interesting that, 
Like about it's him instead of like Rami Malek. That's not my, that's not bad. I don't know. I think that would work. I can uh, see Rami Malek being a villain in that movie too. Oppenheimer. Just like Tur- the, turning on everybody. The communist, or, he's a communist inside. Yeah, he's a communist or Nazi inside that um inside the US operations. They, like if that would be like the storyline of Tarantino was writing this movie. There'd be some type of like a uh, political twist that never really existed in this like mission or in this operation um but yeah i'm like I, i'm it's just sad what the kingsman franchise has become because it could have been something special and there was always hints that it wasn't going to work and it really starts with like the villainous aspect with samuel jackson the first one yes like like taron Egerton was absolute dynamite in that role colin firth was dynamite I don't necessarily like what they did with Colin Firth in the second one. Maybe you should have just kept him dead, but yeah. they found, they found him such a likable character. I did like, I like, I thought he was just made into a joke in the second one and it kind of turned me off personally to it. And I don't like what they did with Channing Tatum, even though they set him up for his own freaking sequel. That probably will never happen at this point because no one, just no one cares. No one's cares going back to magic Mike to try to regenerate his career. Rejuvenize exactly. after playing the dog movie, the dog. Exactly. Like, I, I just don't think anyone gives a crap. Uh, moving on, Ricky Flex. Where else do we want to go? That kind of, like, takes care of the checkup. Am I right? Like, is there anything else that, like, you really, you're dying to talk about here? Um, not really dying to talk about. I guess the only other thing I would say is deep water. That had high hopes that just fell off the wayside, huh? Yeah. So, like, I, I mean, I think this loss, all it's – appeal when they broke up yeah right it's like it's like you have this steamy relationship almost like like a brad pitt angelina jolie and mr mrs smith that like brings up like the appeal of the movie it's going to bring up those box office numbers they're like these guys aren't a couple anymore people are like more on to like uh they're on to j-lo and affleck back together like does anyone want to see like a steamy relationship movie between two people that aren't even together anymore and maybe just wasn't good like there's a chance it wasn't good, even though like these are two of like the uh, most well liked figures I would say in Hollywood. So I, I will yeah. see it. I think we should do a review on it because we are oh, we are oh. Ben Affleck fans and on the uh, Yes, fans. yes, yes. I it's a must. It's a must see. I think definitely if it's for free or you just pay for the streaming service, definitely a must see. And Adrian uh, Lin, who is directing this movie, Fatal Attraction, a wow. classic, like. Uh, husband wife or a husband erotic thriller erotic thriller which this is this is the definition quick synopsis here deep water just to remind the audience here a well-to-do husband who allows his wife to have affairs in order to avoid a divorce becomes a prime suspect in the disappearance of her lovers i would let and this is a thriller wants to so so it's just this is the definition of like a fatal attraction type movie you got the director from fatal attraction uh the writers of this movie is based off a novel um and what we think of novels and erotic thrillers like gone girl you're thinking girl on a train some movies that have done uh well at the box office and some that are better than others critically but also the writers zach helm stranger than fiction helped with that so you have some people that have good experience uh in cinema and specifically specifically with erotic thrillers so and you got two beautiful people that are well liked. It's, Dis- it's also Disney that has the rights to distribute this, and like I, it's a it rated makes, R movie too. It, just it to makes be clear. sense that they like aren't going to put this in theaters under the Disney umbrella. Like it just wouldn't make sense. So there is a chance 
that it's not bad. It just can't go. They don't want it to be in theaters under Disney's name. Yeah. And I just, I think that's gonna be a major part of it. And I just, cause like, obviously this has, what is this going to, when is this going to release early next year? Uh, 2023. What is it? I just don't, it says, uh, it pulled from the release schedule. It's going, it will be released on Hulu domestically. Didn't give a date. Okay. I just don't know. Cause you can't trust when these movies come out anymore. Obviously December, October to December or October is Oscar type movies. This won't we be lost Oscar. faith in release dates due to COVID. Like, right. That, exactly. Forever. Lost faith. Yeah. Right. Like the only guaranteed is October through December, but you could have an Oscar movie like in April. Like it just could, because of these COVID or March releases or March. Yeah. So I just don't know anymore. I just don't know. Speaking of potential, potential March uh, Oscar releases, let's go on to the trailer roundup this week. Uh, We have some exciting new trailers. Okay. Um, One is a Japanese trailer uh, for the Batman. Okay. One, an unexpected trailer that came that releases new footage and really juicy footage. It teases the Riddler further with Paul Dano and his voice, and it potentially teases the Joker uh, in a still picture, right? That people are saying with a very creepy smile, um, with a background, like a black and white. And it seems like Paul Dano is collecting these images. Like it seems like there's a young person that's wearing glasses as a connection to Bruce Wayne and the higher ups in the history of Gotham, like the, the recent history of Gotham. And it seems like Bruce's parents are a part of this. His family's a part of this. Man, I like, what do you think about that? And then you find out the Riddler kind of, he does know that Bruce Wayne is Batman by the end of the trailer. He said he calls him Bruce Wayne. That was interesting. They're kind of like portraying it that way, but it could be out of context. He might be face-to-face with actual Bruce Wayne in that moment. Who knows? But historically, the Riddler like has known that Batman, is, like Bruce Wayne is Batman, yep. but he doesn't like tell anybody because like it's a part it's like it's part not a shtick. It's, it's yeah it's part of a shtick but like he thinks it should be a riddle that people need to get like he's going to give them like hints at who it is but they the public needs right. to decide if they know if bruce wayne's batman usually doesn't pan out for the riddler that's just classic comic books what do you think <laughs> right. of the trailer ricky it was interesting i was shocked they revealed as much as they did that was pretty interesting i thought it actually was well executed it was only a minute and a half or so. I thought it was pretty dang good. Like it minute was and a half good. packed. Yeah, it was packed. really good. Like if I was in Japan seeing that for the first time, I'd be like, "Holy crap, this movie's awesome!" But um, yeah, I don't know about the Joker. I definitely see it. I just That's so weird though. Why is that like picture there? Yeah, they wouldn't put that in the trailer, would they? Like that's yeah, weird. I, I just think it might be a coincidence, but I'm not saying he's not in the movie. All I'm saying is just that seems weird that they would allow that to slip in. They definitely know There's what no they're doing. There's no way it's a coincidence. I just don't like, know. Like, why would they do that? I, I'm and kind of disturbed the, that, like, you're going to put Bruce Wayne, you're going to put, like, a clown with a massive smile, like, I know, Batman I know. image. Like, like, are you crazy? Are you crazy? And that's a modern picture. That's It's, like, it's Pattinson in the picture. It's not, like, young Bruce Wayne. Like, that, that's just weird. And people are saying, like, the laugh at the end. That's I think that's clearly the Riddler. It's, I agree. I, like, I don't think, I don't, I don't, yeah, very good laugh, though. Yeah, I don't buy, like, I, like he's going to be maniacally, like, ma- maniacally, that word, man, manic, maniacally. We'll use yeah, it. What is that word? We'll take creepy. it. Just absolutely creepy. And I think he's going to be a top tier Batman villain. Um, but do you think they should, they, so there's talk right now of whether they're going to, re- there's two cuts of the Batman film where there is, 
inclusion of a certain character that many people assume is Barry Kogan as the Joker, right? Do you think the Batman should include the cut with Barry Kogan or without as the Joker? No, I, I, I think without. I think you go the Batman Begins route. I think I've said this before. I think you tease it. So he's going to be in it. Like, I, I think it should be, like, not a post credit scene, but, like, at the end, like, you know, Batman Begins, he gives him uh, Commissioner Gordon when he's just a detective Gordon, gives Batman the card saying we got this guy called, goes by the Joker. So you don't think we should thing. see him? There's all. already so many villains in this, and there's so many things going on, and we already have the implications with his Bruce Wayne's parents who could be, could be part of the Court of the Owls or the corruption in Gotham that we're going to have to uncover and unpack. And we're going to have to set up the Gotham PD HBO Max series with this. So we're going to have a lot of Jeffrey Wright. There's a lot to do here. I just think that'll be way too much to unco- unpack the biggest villain, not just in Batman, but in comic book history into this jam-packed movie already. That would just be a lot. And I don't want to overstuff this movie. Okay. But the Joker's the Joker. And I, I want to see him. I want to see him. I, I don't, like, I don't, he's not going to have a major role in this movie, but like to see him tease for the second one, I do think he's going to be the villain for the second one. And you brought up the court of vows. I think the court of vows are in this movie, in this franchise. They're going to be in the third movie. I think it's so clear. Like you, you have like the, uh, the card uh, in the first trailer with the owl on it. You're talking about the higher ups in Gotham. What there's almost like this, this, there's a secret being kept among these higher ups. Maybe the Riddler is trying to expose this in some way, or maybe Batman is trying to figure out more and he discovers this at the end of the first movie, but then he has to deal with the Joker in the second movie. But there's too many clues to like his parents, right? How, how Bruce saying, how am I a part of this? It just lines up perfectly with the court of Owls story about the, higher status peoples in Gotham, how they have this own society where they be, they have this own organization that basically organizes all society, all society, like a la the Illuminati. Like, right. Like, I feel like that's what we're building up to. I yeah, think, I, and I think it's a genius idea. Yeah. And I think that the, I completely agree. And I just feel like this movie is going to be like the Riddler trying to tell everybody without t- like doing his Riddler thing, trying to be, but he has to be some a riddle. beef with the Waynes. And he, and he has to basically tell Bruce Wayne, that like give him hints that it's his fault basically or his parents fault and also maybe that, they were the head of the court of out and also the batman not the riddler has to bring it to everybody's attention maybe as well yeah i don't like i think in no way like riddler's going to be a villain because i think he's he's in vengeance over something and of i think course. his parents might have been the reason like the court of owls did something to his parents or mm-hmm. like harmed him in some capacity but I think it's just so obvious that the Court of Owls will be making an appearance. Uh, and then I, I, to go back to Perry Kogan, I think he's just so perfectly cast if he's the next Joker. Young, go, we already talked about this, goes against Pattinson. You could just see it uh, much more realistic than a Joaquin taking on Pattinson. Um, and Kogan, they're doing, they did an okay job at kind of just like uh, – hiding the fact that he is playing this major character. He is one of the young rising stars in Hollywood. He's one of the best villainous character actors in Hollywood. It's just not like you can't like keep hiding at the fact that he's playing this character. I think yeah. they're just, just going to come out and say it at some point. Right. Like, it's, and it's, they've done a pretty good job. It's December, only three months away. It's, it's, it's his brother's fault for revealing it to the world. Yeah. It's like, brothers. Derek Rose's brother. Barry Kogan's oh, brother. Like, Dr. Rose's brother. Oh, no. 
All right, move on, move on, quick. All right, uh, Ricky Flex, I got to talk about what I'm wearing right now, and I got to talk about this upcoming Adam McKay series on the 1980s Lakers winning time. The series is going to start begin. It's going to start streaming on HBO Max in March. The story of the 80s Lakers, Magic Johnson, Pat Riley, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. We're talking about Larry Bird on the Celtics, Jerry Buss, Adam McKay, choosing John C. Riley over Will Ferrell for mm-hmm. Jerry Buss. Mm-hmm. What do you think of this trailer, Ricky Flex? Well, the trailer was great. It's everything you wanted to see. John C. Riley looks like he's just going to be a menace out there. Dr. Buss, just ladies, man, sex and basketball is all he wants in life. Love to see that. I do have one gripe with this trailer, though. Uh-oh. It's called Winning Time. How could it not be called Showtime? What the, what the heck is that? It should be Showtime. It's I can't ridiculous. believe that either. I was going to bring that up if you didn't. That, that That's kind of BS. Winning Time? Time is already in there. How do you not name it Showtime? And they say, like, the story of the – I think the tagline is, like, the story of the 80s uh, Showtime Lakers. Like, you already say – Do you think it's HBO versus, like, Showtime? They didn't want to give the name Showtime I, to an yes. HBO show? Yes. I think that's it, too. That's BS, right? Ridiculous. It is – Petty. Oh, Petty Wars to the max. I, I can't believe they did that. Winning Time is a good name, but when you're just thinking of the Showtime Lakers and you don't call it Showtime, you say Winning Time, it's not the <laughs> it's same. It's right there. <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> they refuse to do it. It's right there. Uh, I mean, it, but there, there are some cool moments when I'm watching this. Uh, like, first of all, like I, like I feel bad for Kareem. Because I feel like in every capacity, magic overshadows Kareem in terms of his career, in terms of discussion. Like he's the best player on the Lakers. And I think everyone kind of like get, puts Kareem in a back seat when Kareem, you could argue, was even better basketball player than Michael Jordan. Movie I mean, star. excuse me, stop Michael Jordan. Excuse me, Magic Johnson, other MJ. Uh that that might get me ripped. Um <laughs> but we're talking about like the all-time leading point scorer, a guy and, who's won six MVPs and he's and, won. Uh, it's just like one more title. Like, it's just crazy. It's crazy because also because uh, he's also a movie star. <laughs> airplane. Dude, the part with Airplane, I thought was, I'm like, yes. yeah. Right when yes. I saw that, I'm like, Adam McKay, certified fresh, like this series, boom. I like Put the, it, the, inject it into my veins, please. The, I, I think I like the, um, the basketball scenes look pretty good. You get a little glimpse of yeah. uh, what's his face? Uh, Bo oh, Burnham. Bo Burnham is Larry Bird. You, get a, you saw a little. Flips. You didn't really Three see flips. a good one. Well, I, I think I was kind of skeptical of a Bo Burnham casting of Larry Bird. Now I've seen the tone of this series. I'm very much open to this casting. The, I think it could be very good. And you're right. The basketball was not exceptional, but I I'll don't wait think and see gonna, on it. Yeah. So I like, like seeing like magic, like by himself, throwing up alley-oops and dunks and whatever, like both to teammates or whatever. I it looked okay. Like it didn't look terrible, but I thought the scenes where they actually were playing the Celtics, I kind of was digging it. I was like, Ooh, this kind of has a good and vibe to it, it. The graininess to it too. It looked like I'm watching on like NBA. Yeah. TV, NBA yeah. Throwbacks. Yeah. And I'll say a couple more things. Paul Westaver, Jason Segal. That was, that looks accurate. Surprising. West, Paul Westfall. Westfall. Sorry. Um, but uh, what I say doesn't look accurate. Brody. It, yeah. Pat Riley. What is that? Brody, that, that was a I, shock to me of the trailer besides I'm, the name. I'm about to give a huge compliment to Pat Rat. Adrian Brody does not look nearly as handsome as Pat Rat. 
I don't understand. Like they didn't they do made slick back ugly. hair. They didn't do the what? slick back hair. Like they didn't. They just didn't portray him correctly at all. His hair is like floppy forwards, yeah. and doesn't he have a mustache? Oh, in the trailer? Am I right? Oh, in the trailer? Yeah, he might. Like, when did Pat Riley have a mustache? Never. Or I'll never say never. I don't remember that. I just remember him with the slick back hair. He's a good looking like, dude. Still at like Adrian 80 Brody years old. Like he wasn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody. It's ridiculous. That was like the shock of uh, besides the name not being Showtime. Yeah. So this is this is like now I think about it, like you see Adrian Brody. Like, let me think of Adam McKay connection to succession. Uh, and you think of also like who would have been another Larry Bird. Imagine they put like Sarsgaard for like think about season season three of Succession as Larry Bird instead of Bo Burnham. But I think the Bo Burnham casting is good for an Adam McKay like a uh, run show for this like lighthearted yeah series on the uh, Showtime Lakers. It's just gonna be interesting if they ever like what time frame are they gonna cover? Like are they gonna go to the late nineties? Is it gonna be one season at a time? Like are they gonna do multiple seasons where like eighty season eighty one season eighty two eighty three like, are they going to do it in that manner? Like, is or is this just like a limited series? I don't know. Like, what do you think they're going to do here? I, I didn't even think about multiple seasons. Um, I know when you said that at first, like, yeah, it's, it, it's going to be the I opener was, for this episode. I was just like, what the heck? Um, but let's see. Like Jerry Buss, he bought the Lakers in '79, moved in, and obviously went to LA, right? Drafted Magic immediately. Exactly. So it's going to start there. And then you got airplane coming out uh, the following year. So Kareem and like they play the Lakers, the Celtics that year. And like magic take like play center when Kareem's out. So it's probably going to focus on that year. And that year is so pivotal because it starts everything right for that whole era. So I think the majority of this show, this season will be on that. Will they have another season? Because obviously they dominate the eighties or, or one of the big factors with the Celtics there. It's just like, you can't cover that in one season. So multiple seasons, I could see it, but definitely let's just get this first one done first. And I think it's probably going to be two years, 79 and 80. I'm a little afraid it's going to be a little too goofy. Like I do like the tone like that for Adam McKay show, but is it going to be goofy? You got like Riley breaking the fourth wall, a la big short and things like that. Mm-hmm. Is he the one that's consistently going to be breaking the fourth wall? Will Magic Johnson be doing so? I could see him like looking at the camera, winking before he like takes five girls like to his bedroom or something like that. So I don't know. I just I, I don't want it to be too too goofy. I want it, to, like, it. It does look entertaining, but I don't want it to cross that line. If you know what I mean? Yeah, I could see that too. Um, I think that's a good point that you make, and I could definitely see that. But every time I see like a trailer for something with a director I know or even don't know, but I just see what type. But like what what they show, like from the director of and they show their prior movie, their resume, their CV or whatever. Adam McKay picked Anchorman. He picked Vice. And then they also put in Big Short. So they put in a couple. They put in a comedy. They put in a comedy drama. And then they put in a drama. They put in all the elements here. So I think they're going to really they're going to I do agree with you. But I do think that they're going to put in some dramatic aspects. They still well. they still want to make that have that HBO prestige TV feel to it. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I got. Uh, I'm pumped for it. What are we looking at? March, I believe. Mm-hmm. March. So March, same month as the Batman. We're getting huge content, month. great content coming March. Uh, then we also had a trailer for Hedgehog, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. 
We had a trailer for Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of uh, Dumbledore. We got our first look at Mads Mikkelsen as Grindelwald in place of Johnny Depp. The film's releasing on April 15th in theaters. Ricky, do you give a crap about that? Didn't even watch the second one. Fell asleep during the first one. And I was so excited when I saw the first one. And I thought it was terrible. I, I feel like I forced myself to like the first one because I'm a Harry Potter fan of the original like series or the eight movies that came. But I feel like I forced myself to like the first one. I didn't even bother with the second one. Yeah. I don't and know. like Eddie Redmayne, like it's like, what are we doing? Like right. I, 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 I do like I like Mads Mickelson instead of Johnny Depp. I think Mads Mickelson is a more less corny, villain. less cringy, more better villain type yes. character. And like we've seen what he's done with the Bond franchise, right? And him as Hannibal Lecter, like I think it's just more appeal. Like Johnny Depp, I feel like he looked he's the part done, but <laughs> he's kind of yeah. done. Whereas he, like he, people just don't want to hear about Johnny Depp anymore for some reason. I it's him and the Amber Heard thing, and people are just like it feels like you're one side or the other on that. Personally, that's a reason why I don't want to see him because I feel like if you put him in something, it's just gonna you're gonna hear more and more about like this case that I personally don't care about. So it's just like yeah, get him out of there anyway. And Mads Mikkelsen's coming off another round. You know, he, he's still yeah, like relevant. He's on a heater. Yeah, that would be like the one thing. Be like, oh, maybe I will see this because of Mads. Everyone else, like, I don't know. But like Johnny Depp, like he looked he looked pretty good as like he looked so bony with the hair pushed up and spiked up and everything. But he just wasn't very good. And then like Johnny Depp, he's kind of like done. Like you said, like City of Lies with the Forest Whitaker, L.A. cop thing going Whittaker. on. Um. <laughs> He was in a bunch of other stuff. The recent murder on the Orient Express a few a few years ago. Just like he's like Dunzo. He's got to take. He's a irrelevant. Break. He's irrelevant. Yeah. Who cares about what he does, dude? Like the last significant thing he did was Rango. Uh, Is that him, right? I think so, but that's not even. That's just a voice. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's just no one cares what he's doing. I, I'm sorry to say, to his cameo in Twenty One Jump Street. Like, who cares? Um, that was a long time ago. 2014 or 2012 and second one i think was 2014 for wow um i think right? you're right yeah it's 2013 maybe for 22 jump street uh all right ricky flex that's gonna do it for the trailer roundup all right and the checkup let's spend like five ten minutes talking about succession let's talk about it because this is the show that has taken the world by storm the finale that has taken the world by storm we have this whole season of Kendall just getting crapped on by every writer associated with Succession. We have the penultimate episode where Jeremy Strong looks like he is left for dead poolside or on, uh, on a float in the pool where it looks like he may not have survived the eighth episode in this third season. Uh, Ricky Flicks, did you think Kendall was dead initially? Uh, were you skeptical? Give us your thoughts heading into this final episode. You know my thoughts. I did not think he was dead. I didn't even have it come across my mind that <laughs> the possibility that he did. I let dead. everyone in my head. I thought he was goner. I I didn't. I just thought like, oh, I fell asleep, or like he's like, oh, like he passed out drunk on the float. But like, I didn't think he was dead. Like it didn't even cross my mind until uh, Sunday it. on Twitter. People were like, oh, is Kendall dead? Like is Kendall dead? I'm like, what are we talking about? Like when he's on the float like no way he's dead and then i talked to you and i talked to other people and everyone's like oh he's dead bro i was just like well, what? how did that not cross your mind the beginning of this episode like it has brian cox with the kid 
reading the story saying your father was a good man and like like acting like he was dead. They wanted you to think he was dead. The family's playing board games and stuff as if like something very serious has just happened, which right. something did, but he survived the potential drowning, right? So mm-hmm. I don't know. I like they set it up where it's like, yeah, they wanted you to think he was dead. I can't believe it just never crossed your mind. I mean, he dropped a beer, like passed out in a pool. That, that's traditionally like, I don't know, a sign that the guy might be dead, you know, he passed out. Yeah. Yeah, I just didn't, I don't know, it just didn't cross my mind. All right, so let's just talk about this episode. We finally have, so spoilers, obviously, for this. If you want to skip to the end of the episode, that is cool, right? But we felt like this was a culturally significant moment in TV history, right? And to a very important show that might have solidified it as one of the greatest HBO shows that has ever been created. For a lot of people, this kind of did cement it. Um, I personally did like the finale because it kind of, finally built up to what you were hoping to see from the beginning of this franchise. And it's the kids taking on Logan, right? The kids finally having the balls, right? Having the gall to kind of stick up for themselves. All right. And try and get ahead of the curve in terms of deal-making in terms of making sure they benefit before Logan and making sure Logan doesn't swindle them out of business and coax them away from what they want Ricky Flex, what did you think about the idea of having this three-headed monster of low of uh, excuse me, Shiv, uh, Kieran Culkins, Roman, and Kendall? It made it made sense. Like the first like beginning of the season, it's Kendall trying to bring everyone together, but ultimately failing. And then throughout the season, you figure out like if it really started with the finale of season two, where it's hey Brian Cox. Logan Roy just feeding Kendall to the wolves and saying, you're going to go to jail for everybody. And he just says, no, you're not a killer. Right. And then he just says, no. And then it's him trying to rally the troops around uh, trying to take down their dad, but no one's biting. But then the whole season's just everyone starting to hate their dad because they want to be next, but they're not. And obviously Kendall's just uh, crapped on the entire season. And then fluttering in the background is Tom just not happy, repetitive, repeatedly not happy with Shiv. Shiv just keeps getting on his nerves a little more every episode. And finally, in, season, in episode eight, when she says she doesn't love him, even though she was drunk, you knew she meant it. And then she says she meant it. And it was just, all right, Tommy boy, partnering with Logan. And then they go in on the boy, on, on, the, on the family. Unbelievable. Save the season. So, it saved the season in my eyes. I love the decision to have Tom double crossing ship. I think that was genius, right? Because this entire time, Tom feels like he's powerless. He's asking constantly to ship, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to me? You're going to do this takeover. What happens to me? What position will I have? Okay. You want to have kids, but it's always on your terms. This is Tom taking hold of his marriage, right? Uh, and saying, I am now, I have the keys where it's like, okay, now if you want to leave me, I'm actually more financially secure than you right now, which is nuts. Tom is more financially secure. Why financially? What? Because Caroline cut them off. Caroline signed the deal at the end. Like uh, the the divorce, they're not going to... Oh, right, right. But like, but Tom, but yeah, but like Tom is going to also be a high up 
for Logan. Yeah, like he's going I think, to be financially secure. He, I think saved, he'll be. He, I, I think he'll have more power. I think he'll have more power. Right, and I'm and I'm also saying that like Shiv isn't going to leave Tom now. Like she can't. Right. That was so savage. How Tom walks into the end. Hey, what happened? Are you okay? I'm like iconic. Iconic still from a show is his arm around Shiv at the end, and Shiv is like going like bat bat crap like bat shit crazy like just like as if like she is going going to like murder somebody and tom's like are you okay saying like you think i'm soft did you not just see what i just did yeah i just screwed you i just screwed you out of taking over for this company because you did not give me the security that i needed right you never cared about me but now look who has the horns who's grabbing the bull by the horns? I, that Freaking was such tom. a that was such a petty like petty wars we're just talking about petty wars holy crap I couldn't believe that he walked in on the room and didn't just walk away after Logan patted him on the back. I thought they were going to leave it like uh, conspicuous where it's like, okay, so I knew immediately that Tom was going to contact Logan is when he asked uh, uh, Greg. Greg and he says like, do you want to make a deal with the devil? And he's only referred to one person as the devil in this right. show. And it's Logan. He always says Logan always wins. It goes back, back to Tom's scene with Kendall Mm-hmm. At the diner earlier in the season, saying he will not trust anyone. At the end, who always wins? It's Logan. So when it comes to putting all your chips on the table, and he hears that Shiv saying we're going to try and take down Logan, he's like, "Nope, I can't. I can't even stand my wife right now because I know she's not going to win. I know she's not going to win, and he's going to. He, he helps ensure that she doesn't. So that's kind of messed up. It, it's kind of a. It's one of the most shocking, like last acts of a season that I've seen in a long time, but it also makes so much sense at the I, same time. I, again, I said it. I'm going to say it again. I think it saved the season. I, oh, I really think this season was not poor, but just average. I didn't think it was great. I know all these Emmy nominations are coming out, but I don't think it should win a single one. I don't think any of them deserve to win a performance. I don't think any of them have gone to the extremes that they did in the first two seasons. I think Squid Game should be succession for best season so many uh, holes best television writing, i i i don't care it captured it captured the world succession i know yeah, this finale did but guess what as season as a whole was not as captivating as squid game and I, there's like, been other shows i'm not gonna go i i know we, we're running a lot long here but i just think that the season was just so deflating before the final episode for me after the high of and the end of season two I think we disagree. I know we've had discussions off recording on this, but I found the last like four episodes to be or three episodes to be incredible. I thought they have been amazing TV where it goes. Uh, you have the presidential candidate with all the parallels to politics today. Right. And how basically they hold like, economic power holds all the political power in this country. And then you have the, the Kendall's birthday party. Thank God they avoided the most cringiest scene possible with him singing. But you see mm. the dynamics between the family. It seems like they're broken to like an irreparable um, extent. And then leading to obviously then last episode where you don't know if Jeremy Strong is dead or not. Right. And you hear like you, you have this story coming out in what's it called? It was it the New Yorker. I forgot. Mm-hmm. It was a uh, profile on him and his acting methods. I think it added to like, obviously this finale in terms of the anticipation. And then finally you have the big three coming together, not to mention Kendall 
comes forward and admits that he he kills that waiter at the Shib's wedding in season one. He tells his freaking siblings. And that is a sense of levity that is like raised from his shoulders. And it gives him the confidence like, yes, and I can now take on freaking Logan with my siblings because I trust them now. I told them my deep, deepest, darkest secret. I thought it was great. I loved it. I, I do. I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not saying I didn't like the season, but just from the high of season two finale to just put Kendo in the gutter in the entire season, I thought it was just a mistake. Obviously, it's just like, you're on such a high. We got to take advantage of this character. And I don't think they did. And maybe next season they will. It'll be like a comeback story. But it's just like, when you... I, I think I've said this before on the pod. If I haven't, I'm saying it here. I think season two, that finale, might have been the greatest finale to a season of television, not like the ending of a show like I've, I've ever the seen last in my episode life. episode of that, yeah. Of my life, Incredible. any show. And just to follow that up with just like, oh, okay, he's getting pissed on by, on his, by his dad and then his family for the entire season is just pathetic. It's, and then it's you like have Shiv. Episode. Mm-hmm. I was going to say like end of like season six game of Thrones with the Citadel and the battle of the bastards combination. And then you have the moment of season two on the yacht. And then the, the one-on-one with Logan and Kendall and then Kendall at the press conference. I think you're right. Like it's those two like episodes in my opinion. But all in all, it was a good season. I think it's clearly the worst out of the three, but the ending again, just they know how to do it. It's not as good as season – like, season two is obviously the best, in my opinion. I think season two is on another level. I, I have to rewatch season one. I got to rewatch season one. Season one was so captivating because you see the dynamic. You were introduced to all these characters right. and their eccentric behaviors. And now it's gotten to the point where season three, you want to see them kind of divert from those eccentric behaviors – because you're so used to that, which is weird. Where it's like Kieran Culkin, you're like, this guy is such a freak. He's got to do something so outlandish. No, to be yeah. shocked by his character. It's like, like, like the obviously the picture he sends to Jerry goes to Logan. That would not happen in season one. Like they kind of they're pushing the envelope with right, some of these characters. Right. They got to go nuts with it. No, but that's you know? kind of I think that's kind of what they like. That was the point. Like the first two seasons, and even this, and they put put it on steroids where especially with Shiv and Kieran, uh, sorry, Shiv and Roman, where they're such bad people. And this season, they really showed it when the Kendall leaves the picture and it's just the two of them just fighting the entire season and then trying to win over Logan's hand. And finally, by the end, Tom just says F you to Shiv. And then uh, Roman, who in season one, remember, he went with uh, Kendall initially and said all right kendall yeah you should take he had no stake he had no stake like literally power in the business like right and he was gonna say all right kendall like you it's your you're next and i'm gonna be the chief operating officer and then when he tried to vote logan's like put your hand down boy or whatever he does and he did it and this time he finally said okay so it's like he's so scared it's like completing character arcs just to start new ones from the bottom for next season i i thought kieran culkin was amazing in this final episode I thought he was. he was amazing. If anyone deserves to win, I think he would be the one he, the, for an Emmy. When it comes to like him coming face to face with dad, the fear he has, and then he recognizes she was right in terms of like dad is just trying to coerce him and like trying to like basically have him as this like quote unquote puppy dog. It was she was right the entire time. And Shib is gonna be, I think the next season's gonna be all her. I think it's gonna be her leading this takeover. 
And then you have like Jeremy Strong trying to come back, trying to repair his relationships with his family other than Logan. And then it's going to be like, I can't wait to see what dynamics they think of. And then I'm excited that I think uh, Sarsgaard is going to be returning. As, yeah, um, it seems like that's going to be the case. As the mogul there. It's um, going to be interesting Adrian Brody because he probably cashes out and he doesn't come back for another episode, right? Like, what was the point in having him? He was he made 20, what, 15 minutes of screen time? Less in this? Less, like 10 minutes? Less. 10 minutes of screen time? That was episode? just a waste. That was definitely just to draw people in saying, oh, we're getting these bigger stars to join this cast. Skarsgård, Brody. They don't need him though. Kieran Culkin is such a massive name now. Jeremy Strong is such a massive name. Like Brian Cox is a massive name. It's been a massive name, but it's just like they're just big on their own. Tom, any awards consideration for Tom here? No, I don't think he's nominated for anything. No, I'm saying like, ah, like if you went to the Emmys next year, do you think Tom would get any recognition? Tom was like Tom was pretty good in a lot of these episodes. I, I think one he's the one who never gets rewarded from this cast. Like that, and that could still. that could deserve it. Like no, I'm saying like Jeremy Strong won last year for the Emmys. You had Kieran Culkin win a Golden Globe two years ago, right? Or one year ago? I don't I don't even remember. Like Brian Cox won. They they've all been awarded. I felt like Tom like Tom. Like, I thought Tom was really good this season. I think he, he was, was definitely his best, especially with the jail situation going there. Like as in that kind of jail free card again. <laughs> <laughs> like he was very good, but I just don't see the, any award show oh, man. giving him I recognition, think, just like his character. I think, I think they're setting him up for a big next season too. Yeah. Well, he, he's going to be Logan's right hand man. Probably. He with, is with Jerry. <laughs> It's gonna be crazy. So talk Tom, about sad gonna... when Kieran Culkin, Roman's on it on his knees, going to Jerry. Jerry, what can you do? And she goes, "That's not in my best interest. What can you do for me?" And he's just like uh, speechless because he has nothing. That was sad. Oh, yeah. Roman deserved it though. That's the way oh God, Jerry. yeah, he, he yeah. deserves way worse than that. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for the checkup this week. That's going to do it for the trailer roundup. That's going to do it for the succession recap. Kind of an off the walls extravaganza miscellaneous episode from the drive-in podcast make sure you subscribe to the youtube make sure you subscribe to the blog make sure you make sure you're subscribed to the podcast most importantly on either soundcloud spotify apple music follow us on social media twitter instagram uh tiktok at the drive-in pod we're always throwing out content left and right um next week we have Oh my gosh, we're going for West Side Story, maybe the best movie we saw this year, to the most anticipated blockbuster, arguably since Avengers Endgame, Spider-Man, No Way Home, Tom Holland, and we'll see who else is starring in it. With that being said, that's going to do it for the checkup. We will smell you.